Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Get Into It podcast. My name is Tamia. This is Raina, and let's get into it. Let's get into it. So today we are going to skip past the highs and lows because we have an episode that's probably going to be a little longer, and we just have a lot to cover in this episode, and that is going to be um, the upcoming inauguration on this Wednesday. And um, we're just going to kind of discuss that, discuss Kamala and Joe, and kind of touch on a few things that have been happening with Trump within the past week. Yeah, and by the time you guys will be hearing this episode, it will be January 18th, 2021, but we are recording this episode on January 13th, 2021, which officially marks um, the date that Donald Trump got impeached for the second time. Mm -hmm. Um, And a week prior to this, um, that's when we all witnessed the Capitol insurrection slash riots that occurred in Washington, D.C., Um, It claimed the lives of multiple people. And, you know, today he was officially impeached on those grounds of essentially, I don't want to say motivating, but, you know, for lack of a better word, like literally, you know, garnering support for for this, that that insurrection. Um, And we don't want to give too much time to um, white supremacists and criminals and tyrants, but Um, We do feel like, you know, with the inauguration coming up this Wednesday, you know, it's, it's a little scary Mm -hmm. to, to think about um, the fact that, you know, a place that is supposed to be like the most secure place in the country, like besides the white house and the Pentagon, probably like in the Supreme court that it got essentially ransacked and literal blood was shed in, in that in that place and that's just just a little crazy to think about um and with the inauguration coming up it's only you know telling that I'm, I'm a little nervous for what could happen at the inauguration and Tamia can you can you share that quote that you said um when we were talking before the podcast about you know the failed coup quote yeah I think that lays the ground for what I'm trying to say here yeah so I um Rain and I before we started recording Um, I mentioned to her, I saw someone had tweeted something that really like kind of shook me to the core. Um, He had said a failed coup without consequences is a test run. Mm. And like, you know, like we said, we're not going to give too much time and not shed. We don't want to shed too much light on literal terrorists. But um, I feel like what happened at the Capitol was really just also a major display of their privilege um, mm-hmm. their white privilege. And as we know, uh, it's most likely that a lot of those people will not have face consequences mm-hmm. for um, what they did. So uh, with anything, you know, when you feel like you can get away with something, you'll probably try to do it again mm-hmm. or go to the next level because you feel like you're kind of like, you can't be stopped. So mm-hmm. with the inauguration coming up, that's where a lot of that fear or like nervousness kind of comes from because them storming the Capitol and like literally being on the Senate floor, these people brought like zip ties, like Mm -hmm. they fully came to do something and it was planned. Mm -hmm. So with the inauguration, we don't know how much further, how far they're going to take it. Right. And I'm still like, I'm surprised they're even trying to still go through with the inauguration at the Capitol. Like, listen have a little zoom moment or something like I don't know like do what you need to do to make it as safe as possible but I feel like even with the amount of um 
like security that they can possibly have surrounding the Capitol, it's still a level of like fear and nervousness. And because as we know, a lot of those people that stormed the Capitol, a lot of their firefighters, police officers, like people that have the power to, you know, quote unquote, protect us, but really they're not really here to protect us. So it's just kind of a scary situation. Yeah. And we hope everything goes smoothly, obviously. Um, we hope everyone else stays safe, you know, um, that are, if they're in DC or even if you're not in DC, you know, stay safe during this week because I know things could possibly get a little rowdy. Yeah. All, I know that all um, like Capitol buildings in all 50 states have been told to like beef their security up, which is mm-hmm. terrifying. And also, Let's not dismiss the fact that the National Guard is literally deployed inside the Capitol, sleeping yes. on the floors of the, um, the the visitor center. And it's just like, it's just crazy to think that this is all a reality. And I think, you know, since we're online and we're in our homes because of COVID and stuff, it's just like, there's a level of like distance between like what's going on because we're seeing everything like through our phones and stuff. And it's just like, this cannot be real, mm-hmm. but um to segue into the the meat and potatoes of this episode, mm-hmm. um, given that we are going to have a new president and vice president next week, exactly a week from now or three, two days from now when you guys will be hearing this, um, I kind of want to go back to the election of 2016 and the inauguration in 2017. Like to me, like take me, take me back for a second. Like, yes, what were we doing? Okay, so 2016 we were juniors in high school. So um, Rain and I, we both can attest to this, like the day before we were like, there's no way Trump is going to win. Like we just knew in our hearts, Hillary was going to win because again, we grew up in the Obama like era. So we couldn't imagine that someone like Trump could ever be in office. But the next day when we were like, oh, like this man, this man won. Like, yeah, he lost the popular vote, but Hillary lost the electoral college. So it's like, you know, going to school that day you could feel that there was like a shift like everyone was so shocked and I had told Raina the story before like my sophomore year my history teacher was like I will literally give everyone in this class $20 if Trump wins there's no way he's winning and I feel like that just goes to show just how much of a surprise it was for us because we do we did grow up in this like liberal bubble so Mm -hmm. we couldn't have imagined someone like Trump who was so obviously like racist we couldn't we couldn't imagine that people would support that so you know and fast forwarding to like inauguration day I was in Reina's AP Gov Paul class and we're watching the inauguration and people did walk out that day and went like walk to town hall but Reina and I stayed in school and um you could just feel how heavy it was like we knew that his presidency was going to cause some major shift And Mm -hmm. if you had asked me back then, if like four years down the line, people would literally be storming the Capitol, I would have been like, you're crazy. But going through these four years of his presidency, it like, not to undermine like what happened, like it was a very serious thing. But a part of me was like, this is, I'm not surprised his presidency ended this way. Mm -hmm. Of how crazy he was talking like the last four years, especially this last year. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't necessarily like shake me to my core when it happened because I was like I'm he really kind of incited the whole situation like he kind of motivated them to do it Mm -hmm. so yeah in 2016 it already felt 
I just knew there was like a feeling of like this shift and growing up in that Obama era, like it was like sweet. Like we were like eight years old, 12 years old when he was elected. So we weren't really fully into the whole, like, um, like we weren't fully into politics. We were eight years old and 12 years old, but being 16 and wanting to start to understand more about like politics and um, electing like a president, the first memory I have is of Trump and now he's a president that's been impeached two times and the first in history for that to happen like to a president and it's just been he's definitely just been the worst president in our history right and I think no matter what side of the political spectrum you are on I think you know proven that you know this this impeachment was bipartisan um, as in like 10 lawmakers voted to impeach him, which is not a lot, but that's technically bipartisan, the most bipartisan impeachment in history. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can all agree that Trump has elicited a different, like, uh, not a different, a hidden base of this country that was never emboldened before he entered office. Never, They were never emboldened enough to like say things so outwardly racist homophobic you know anti-semitic all all, like all of those isms Mm -hmm. they were never motivated like that they were they were closeted um more so closeted because we live in like this different era of like you know cancel culture and you can't really be overtly racist unless you're in your little overt racist circles um but i think going back to 2016 um well the day after Hillary lost the election um to me and I we skipped class yeah we went to the deli we got bacon egg and cheeses Arizona tea so Jersey bro (laughs) oh yeah it is very Jersey um watched it on the news in the deli not in school um and I think it was I mean I don't even really I I the way that I was feeling four years ago was like oh, well, this is going to be bad, but I just don't know how bad it's going to be. And like, I don't know. I mean, just to like put things into perspective, like obviously we're from North Jersey. We live 30 minutes outside New York City, right? We knew the Trump family from The Apprentice and from local, like just metropolitan politics. Yeah. The Trump family, they're they're a, a, a socialite, urbanite, family in New York City like that's how we knew them as and like yeah we knew that they were um at least Donald Trump and I can probably say this whole family was overtly racist um as in you know Trump's father is responsible for denying brown and black folks um leases in New York City Mm -hmm. um Trump's comment on the exonerated also known as the Central Park Five like we we knew we knew this and it was kind of just like okay well celebrity show whatever he's never run for president yeah and i kind of want to like ask you this question to mia um i personally believe that the, the i personally believe that you know trump was running on the platform of eliciting race based hate and isms hate whatever you whatever ism it is um but i think 
right now we need to look at it through the lens of race and that everything that we we observe in this political era needs to be through race. And the question I'm going to pose to you is, well, I got to give a little background first. Um, I watched this MSNBC docu-series on Obama's presidency. Mm-hmm. And in the last segment of the documentary, um, one of his aides, former aides or former assistants, maybe a policy advisor, not really sure which one, he basically was saying that Obama said, like, did I come too soon? And, you know, a lot of audiences could have interpreted it as like, oh, was he, what, like, what did he mean by that? Yeah. The first thing that I got from that was, oh, he's talking about, was it too soon for a black man to be in the highest office in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why Trump is getting elected right now. Like, that's kind of the thought process that I was thinking he was having. And then I went to the Commitment March of 2020 back in August, and a preacher, I forgot the name of the person who said this, but he basically got up to the podium and said, America was so nauseated, so sickened by a black family in office that they vomited up Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to get your get your take on that. Like, do you think that this is solely, literally like a race class issue, like more more so a race issue in terms of Trump's presidency and like everything that we've seen for the past four years? I, I 100% agree because even like in the beginning of Obama's presidency, when he was still like running, um, it was mainly Trump that was like really going hard with the denying Obama's like citizenship, you know, kind of trying to say anything they can to, you know, discredit him or make it seem like, you know, he shouldn't be president or um, he like, yeah, he just wasn't, he shouldn't be allowed in that position basically. And again, Trump was one of those main people um, like spewing out those like lies and like um, ideas. So I com- I completely agree that um, a majority of America was not ready to see a black man as president and like overall just like a black family in office like Michelle looks like she could be my aunt and Mm. Sasha and Malia look like they can be my cousins like you know like Mm -hmm. I feel like when I see their family like I see like my family Mm -hmm. so and I feel like like you said a lot of America or the the silent majority isn't that what they like to call themselves Mm -hmm. they when they saw that they were like "Mm -mm," like we Mm -mm. you're like "Mm -mm." Mm -mm. like we're not going for this and um I think once Trump announced he was like running or whatever, you know, looking back, they were like, oh, that's the, he was one of the main ones, you know, saying these things about Obama and basically saying the things that we felt like we couldn't say, Mm -hmm. you know, and now he's possibly going to be able to be the person to say all the things we were either afraid to say or just like we just couldn't say. And a lot of those things are rooted in like racism. Mm-hmm. so um I believe like they were just looking for anyone well one they were looking for anyone that just wasn't Obama they wanted someone that just wasn't him like they wanted someone that was the opposite of him mm-hmm. and then when Trump you know came through they were like and more specifically want someone exactly like him because right. they find they like pride him on being like oh he just tells it like it is right. and everything but it's like you know, it's just, he just spews racist ideas and like rhetoric and 
all the isms, like you said, like you, like he started out his pre- his presidency with a Muslim ban. Right. Like he, right. he ever all his all his ideas are rooted in hate for a specific group of people. Right. And they ate it up mm-hmm. because, like, I think it even shows. Like Trump sometimes will even mention, "Oh, we're not like Obama's administration." Like, mm-hmm. he knows, he knows that the people that support him just wanted someone that was the exact opposite of him because they were not ready to see a Black man in office. Right. And I'm, real real quick, I don't, I don't mean to, like, go back to the Capitol insurrection because we kind of moved on from that topic, but I think, you know, with fear-mongering and, and all of those ideas, like, you know, I'm fearful of blank. So I'm going to attach that fear to something, right? That's, that's Mm kind of like how I view like politics kind of now, especially during a tumultuous Trump era. But for me, it's like, okay, people, people who voted for Trump and, and, you know, that, that rhetoric that like that, whatever, oh, he tells it as is whatever Trump and even Trump's base Whatever that base may be, but I'll just say some of Trump's base, they might not think that they're racist, homophobic, ismist. I'm going to make my own word up, like have any of the isms, but they have successfully played into the narrative of attaching their fear of othering of others onto certain ideas, whether that's socialism, Democrats, uh, free, uh, not free trade, but like, you know, high taxes, big government. So they attach people in certain concepts and what people look like to actual physical manifesta- manifestations of that. So basically Obama's embodying everything that they're afraid of. Oh, he's he was born in Hawaii and he lives in Indonesia. He might be Arab. Michelle might be this. Michelle might be that. Like they're attaching these fears onto people. And of course, these people are going to be minorities. I personally believe that the reason why the Capitol was stormed was, yeah, because Trump elicited a mob and motivated a mob and told them to stand back and stand by. Mm-hmm. I personally believe that a lot of those people, they don't even know why they're doing it. One. Yeah. And if they do know why they're doing it, it's they're, you know, regurgitating this QAnon or these conspiracy theories or right wing crazy social media. But I personally believe it's because a black woman is in charge of the legislative branch of Congress she is going to Kamala Harris is going to be the deciding vote and they're attaching socialism and big government and 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 communism and all these things that 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 they get in the right wing media onto her because there's no way I'm sorry Tamia, but if there's no way if that if the vice president or the president of the senate or congress and and our legislative branch was a white person they would have been inside that building yeah and you, you cannot tell me otherwise because that's what I think so um it's kind of like to transition us into like since we're talking about identity politics like let's talk about representation with this new administration specifically mm-hmm. the vp elect and the president um and president-elect what what are, how are we feeling here like kamala harris made history by <laughs> becoming the first black and south asian woman to be sitting in that office well, how, how are we feeling about this? Yeah, she's so like you said, she's a black and South Asian woman, um, went to Howard University, and she's also an AKA. So me being like me attending an HBCU right now, 
like I can only imagine how one so many people so many like kids that are currently in high school that are possibly thinking about HBCU like black students um, I can only imagine how that will affect them like knowing that our soon-to-be vice president attended in like HBCU when for so long people liked they would like to um say like you know HBCUs don't prepare you for the real world and right. like you know that's not really a, basically trying to call us not real universities mm-hmm. and it's like well someone that holds one of the highest you know chairs in like our government or highest position like you know she attended an HBCU so I I was all for that but also, you know, um, like you said, like representation, like it, it matters. So when I look at her, I don't personally see myself. Like, you know, I don't look at Kamala and be like, oh, that's me. Like I can see myself in her. Like I don't physically see myself, but that doesn't mean that, you know, she doesn't represent other black women mm-hmm. or other women um, in general. So, so yeah, like I, um, she represents me in the fact of like her schooling and everything and, um but on a physical like if I look at her I don't see myself and that's fine Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and I think you kind of bring up the discussion of how representation isn't let me think of a word like it's not it's multifaceted like Mm -hmm. it's not going to look one way so just because you feel or identify with one section of someone's identity doesn't mean that you have to represent you don't have to see yourself or identify yourself as the whole being. Yeah. And I feel like with um, minorities and black people in particular, we're not afforded that privilege of as like, like we can be all these things, but society puts us into one type of block Mm -hmm. or one type of stereotype, or we have to be some type of way. And, you know, you bring up a good discussion here because when I was telling you, and we've had so many conversations about this in our little FaceTime calls and like, let's bring, let's bring the audience into one of our FaceTime calls. Yes. Yes. Like, our three hour FaceTime calls. <laughs> yeah. Like I differ in terms of when I saw Kamala accepting the bid and when I saw Kamala, you know, on that stage in her pop and white suit, I was feeling represented. And <laughs> this is where, like, you know, we, where we differ. Like I'm a mixed black woman. Like my dad is a white man with Filipino descent, Asian descent. And my mother's an immigrant from the Caribbean. So when I see Kamala on the stage, I can physically like see myself like light-skinned Black woman to light-skinned Black woman, right? Yeah. And I think that identity comes privilege, right? Colorism and, and white supremacy and all these different factors are intersectional with our identities here. So Kamala and I, like for comparison, are going to be more consumable by a white audience because we are closer to whiteness like physically Mm -hmm. like literally by the physical look and that's why identity politics is so important to understand um because people might not think that oh well light skin dark skin whatever oh they don't matter like it's whatever y'all are all just black it's whatever like being black and blackness is such a abstract and beautiful complicated you know concept right so it's not just one is done like we're we're a whole group of people we come in all different shapes and sizes and we have a spectrum of beliefs and we're not all the same and I think you know but also with that there's a layer of of power of privilege of Mm -hmm. different types of intersection intersecting identities so 
I think it's good that you brought that up because I feel like a lot of people thought that, you know, Kamala was like, oh, this is the representation that y'all needed. So y'all can't talk about oppression or this anymore. Like it's over, like she's there. So mm-hmm. like, just get over it. Right. And I kind of feel like that's already happening. And um, I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very complicated and not even to get started with um, the president here. Um, but I mean, like, you know, late seventies, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like we're, we're, we're hitting 80 and I, this is not even me being ageist. This is me being a realist. Like when he leaves office, he will be like the oldest sitting president ever. Mm-hmm. How is that representative of our country right now? Honestly. Yeah, I completely agree because like, just going back to um Kamala real quick, like, um, like you said, I feel like some people might take it as like, oh, well, you guys have a black woman in office. Like you can't like basically kind of like, here you go. Mm-hmm. Like, stop complaining. Here you go. Kind of thing. I feel like some people will um, take it as that. And but this is also um, this is still to say that, like, you know, during these next four years, we still have a lot of work to do. Um, of course, it's amazing to see a black woman, a black and South Asian woman sitting as a vice president. And um, but that doesn't excuse anything that needs to happen in these next four years like you right. know so um and also like Kamala she shouldn't have to represent nor should she represent the whole community mm-hmm. that's not her job because one thing like like we always say Reina like we shouldn't idolize politicians mm-hmm. like we we really shouldn't and um she shouldn't have to represent the whole community because like you just said it's way deeper and complicated and there's so many like you know it's there's so many things that go into, you know, um, representation. There's different ways you can be like represented and like everything. So, you know, saying that she doesn't represent me, like we literally just talked about, doesn't mean she doesn't represent somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like Raina, like she literally could see herself. And that's amazing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. but to go on to Joe, like you said, um, at the end of his four years, he's going to be 82 years old. 83 I think 82 or 83 so like you said he's going to be the oldest sitting president and I agree like I how does that represent our country Mm -hmm. like you know how him being quite literally in a different generation than a lot of the people within the like nation that he's um leading it's like you know how is that going to affect the next four years Right. And like you said, it's not us being ages. It's just being us. We're being very realistic here because, you know, he's going to be 82, 83, making decisions for 20, 30, 40 year olds. Right. You know, that make up the majority of the population. Yeah. And there's a huge problem with the lack of youth in government anyway. Not only lack of youth, but lack of diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Speaker of the House, Pelosi, I'm pretty sure she just turned 80 or she's hitting 80, right? Like we have Diane Feinstein of California who's been in power for over three decades. Like this is the stuff, this is a lot of structural fundamental things that need to change mm-hmm. um, because it's just like, how is this even representative, especially of a country that's getting younger and younger and more diverse? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so representation in terms of all that, I think kind of like big things to take away here are, you know, 
black people, minorities, and, you know, anything that's not the white status quo that's been set in our society is we're not monolithic, right? Like black people don't look one certain way. Black people don't share the same, all the same beliefs. Yeah. We might have a lot of the same communal values Yeah, and there's there, you know, there's that, you know, blackness you can you can rely on somebody else and there's there's these different cultural significances that we all have in our community but um that doesn't mean we're all thinking alike or we have the same political views it's like you can't even imagine seeing a black republican and there's so many of them out there and that shouldn't be stigmatizing what i mean like i feel like our politics have gotten so polarized we're like we can't even you know imagine sitting down with somebody on the other side of the aisle right now mm-hmm. um and i don't know it's just like crazy to think that we've gotten like that like this is how crazy it's become where it's like i can't even like if you're republican i don't want to talk to you that's crazy like now you have people in like who are more like moderate democrats like being chastised in their own party like you see what i'm saying like it's just like it's like what is going on here like politics is not even about like oh like you and i can disagree on taxation or how much money is going into this whatever and we can figure it out i'll take the more conservative route because i was raised like this and i i just believe in more of these things and you might take a more progressive liberal approach but let's compromise and ultimately it's going to benefit both of our constituents because we compromise. Like that's mm-hmm. what politics is supposed to be. And now it's like ultra right, ultra left. And everyone who's in the middle of fight for yourself. Like Literally. it's crazy. No, it's, it's, I completely agree. Cause I, like you said, I can't really imagine having a conversation with someone across the aisle. Like it's literally, you said this yesterday. You were like, it's either you're a Trump supporter or you're not right now. Mm-hmm. It's that it's, there's no like, Oh, I'm just a Republican. It's like, okay, but do you support Trump? right so because that's how like divided it is and right. and um kind of going back to 2016 just real quick because uh i forgot to mention this but um later on in my senior year me going to an hbcu a, a slight bit of that um was because of the current president we had mm. the president we had at the time because of how much like i noticed when he was um officially like sworn in and he was in office over the first like two and a half years two years how mm-hmm. um just how many people started just be so open and outward with like their racism and like you know mm-hmm. a lot of things started kicking up and a little bit of that kind of went into my decision to go to an hbcu right so i feel like that just goes to show just how um how much his pre- presidency shook us up Right. Because like I, I keep saying this, but I feel like it's very like it's true. Like we were eight years old when Obama was first in office, when he was first elected president. So like I really the only presidency I remember before Trump is Obama, but I don't remember like major like specific things. I just knew he was president and it was like sweet. Like, you know, like it felt normal. Like, you know, like it our president wasn't out here tweeting crazy stuff and mm-hmm. something on the news every single day about our president literally disrespecting certain groups of people. Right. So that right. like crazy shift, well, at least for me, and I know for a lot of people I know, and I'm pretty sure Raina can attest to this, really like shook everything up. Right. It felt like, you know, 
Raina once said this too. He was like, he literally uprooted everything, shook it up and said, okay, deal with it. No, exactly. When I tell you the bar is set so low for Gen Z right now, Mm -hmm. like we are like the, the first active political participation that we're having is chaos. Yeah. Like is literal chaos. And I mean, honestly, I can, you know, kind of like what Tamia is saying here, like, you know, the 2016 election, like only pushed you into wanting to go to an HBCU more than you had wanted to before. Mm-hmm. I feel like for me, if the 2016 election and like this whole Trump era wasn't this bad, I would not be into politics and I would not be considering a career in politics right now. Yeah. Like it just wouldn't be a thing, but like, I, I kind of felt like also it's definitely cause I go to GW, but like, I felt like a call. <laughs> I'm just like, there is no way that this is normal right now. Yeah. And it's just like crazy because I kind of think about like, you know, when I was interning for um, Cory Booker, like we would, we would have like brown bagged lunches with other intern offices. And I remember we had a brown bag lunch with the Kamala Harris interns and like, you know, we were, we, it was like, you know, the East Coast, West Coast feuding. And I'm sitting there and I was just sitting there with my intern cohort. And I'm just like, this is how politics should be. Like, we should be beefing over like simple things like this. Yeah. Like, just like, oh, y'all from the West Coast. Oh, y'all mad chill over there. Y'all don't even do nothing over there. Like, that's what we should be talking about. Like, giggling and laughing about it. Not like actually going to war over it. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, and like, obviously, like, I can sit here and say that, like, yes, Kamala is definitely the the push towards representation that this country needs, but she's not the full answer. Joe's not the full answer, uh-huh. and politicians are never going to be the full answer. They should be actively working, adapting to the environments of the shifting country. So they're never going to fully fulfill what we need, but that's why we vote every two, four, six years so we can change them or keep them, you know what I'm saying? And advise them and like tell them what we need and like what we want, right? But I kind of like, you know, I, 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 I personally like think that Kamala is opening up a lot of doors. Oh, for sure. Um, for for people that look like me, for other minorities, and I I even though like you know I can agree to disagree with Kamala on so many things. Like there are so many things I'm kind of just like, what were you thinking? Oh yeah, like, for I, sure. Same is going on here especially with like you know obviously us being from jersey and like i'm a cory booker stan so like i like i just very opposing views like yeah they were aligned on a lot of things but like some things like you know when we start talking about the police we start getting like you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. so like things are getting kind of like but it's definitely the push towards representation that we need which kind of like spirals me into a question of what what are we expecting in these next couple of years like is there going is like for so i'll start with like the next four years and then like after the four years is this going to be a harris presidency is it going to be another republican presidency like what are what are we thinking here for i guess next eight years if you could predict or would want to predict yeah so okay my my short answer is i literally do not know I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what to expect because like Raina just said, my first full, full, full memory of a full presidency where it's like, I'm able to remember everything was pure chaos. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I, 
I don't know. I don't remember what it was like for president <laughs> to not be crazy. So I cannot really give, I mean, obviously I want to see things. Well, literally the next four years are just going to be Joe and Kamala kind of cleaning up Trump's mess basically. And there's obviously going to be a lot of pushback because this is a me. I mean, we saw already at the Capitol, there's going to be a lot of pushback. People are not happy that Trump is not going to be in office, but um, like you said, like Kamala and Joe, they're not our saviors. Like they're Mm -hmm. not perfect. Like you said, like we have a lot of things we can, we don't agree with when it comes to them. And I feel like that's what's a little different about Gen Z is that we were the first, I feel like we're one of the first generations to really um, fully and wholeheartedly speak our minds about certain situations at our age. Like we were 15, 16 and like having conversations that, you know, just weren't normal. They were taboo. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, participating in demonstrations that um, in school, not saying it's like the first to ever be done, but I feel like, you know, our generation is, we're, we're very open to um, speaking our minds about things and we're not afraid to um, call out politicians. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, we were gunning for Joe and Kamala to win, but um, that doesn't mean we're like, they're excused from oh, like, yeah. criticism. Like, yeah, and I, you know, what go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, and that's why, you know, I'm saying they're not our saviors or anything like they're like you said, we, we disagree with a lot of their ideas. Yeah. And I think that's, that's exactly what politics is about. A democracy does not exist. If you wholeheartedly 100% believe the person that's like representing you right now, because how do you change things without opposition? Mm -hmm. Like that's what democracy is about. And that's how, you know, that's what makes, I guess, America unique. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, we can't sit here and like, I, like to me, it's like, if you are a hundred percent aligning with the politician, you don't disagree with anything that they're saying or whatever wing of the political spectrum you're on, you have a lot of reflection to be doing. Pick up a book and talk to other people on different sides of the aisle, more left or more right. Yeah. Because you can't sit like you, that means like, to me, I love the quote, if you, stand for nothing you can fall for anything and standing for nothing is like literally allowing somebody to tell you what to think because then you're just going to believe anything and that's what we saw with the capitol yeah they they stormed the capitol believing that that trump lost the election amongst a plethora of other ideas but that that's kind of like the concept that i try to take with me is like yes i can i can love Kamala's representation. I can love that, you know, Joe's sitting here right now and he's Obama's former VP. Like I can love that and I can respect that, but that does not mean that I'm going to hundred percent align myself with them. And that's what we have to keep doing. We have to keep fighting. We have to keep changing it. Um, but I guess to kind of like wrap up here, I think, you know, these past four years have been, they've been difficult. And I think a lot of it, you know, we haven't really taken the time to kind of like dissect what has really happened because it's been like chaos after chaos after chaos like it's just been crazy and like now we're about to be in lockdown for literally almost a year bro like I literally can't believe it's going to be almost a year in like a couple weeks yeah and you know things have changed so much but I guess I'll just close out like my thoughts like by saying that even though it kind of feels like everything is like 
crazy right now and like yeah we might have like an administration coming in and a new congress coming in that can help like settle the dust a little bit i feel like you know america is so vulnerable vulnerable right now and just you know it's sad to see that we have gotten this far in into this like mess but i kind of feel like this is also where we can make the greatest change. So when something is very vulnerable, it is open, I believe is open to the greatest change. So if we can, you know, keep pushing and like keep getting to the finish line for like certain initiatives that we, we want or that we believe in, like keep still keep being vocal about it and apply pressure because, because we're so fractured right now, we might actually get some monumental things done right now. Yeah. In, in in the name of healing and stuff. So that's what I'll, I guess, not advise, but like to give give some hope <laughs> right now. Yeah. And I 100% agree. Like, I feel like this past year was, you know, just a, it, it was definitely a low for, for our country. And it's like, you know, like you said, when you're the most vulnerable, it's it's when the best change can happen and the most change can happen. Not saying that change is going to be immediate. And I feel like that's what needs to be, um, that's kind of what we, need, what we need to understand in these next four years. Like, you know, they're not our saviors. It's not like, like this post-Trump is going to be for a little bit, I feel like, you know, because he just unearthed a lot of stuff within his presidency. But that doesn't mean change that we want to see happen can't happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just with this inauguration com- coming up, I hope everything goes smoothly. I hope everyone stays safe because, um, like Raina said, they are advising all 50 states just to be on high alert and a little more secure because there are talks of possibly, you know, more protests or, well, not protests, like uh, rioting kind of mm-hmm. that could happen. So we hope everyone that's listening stays safe. Um, anyone that lives in D.C., we hope you stay safe. Raina is currently in D.C. She will not be leaving her <laughs> apartment. And, um, yeah, we hope this Wednesday goes smoothly. And these next four years, it doesn't stop. It doesn't, like, we, we're still going to be going just as hard on Joan Kamala, so. Shape the democracy that you want. Yeah, no, for real. So with all that being said, um, we'll see you guys next week. Next week is Raina's first solo episode. Yes, you know the vibes. So um, stay tuned for that. Again, starting February 1st, we are going bi-weekly until the end of our semester, which is mid-May. Yes, sir. Um, Raina and I end our semesters at different times, but mid-May will probably be the end of our bi-weekly schedule just so we can get the best content out for you guys. We don't want it to feel rushed and we are both full-time students. Raina has a new internship. So um, we want to just get the best content for you guys. So with all that being said, Tamia signing off. Raina signing off. You know the vibes. And we'll see y'all next week. Well, no, Raina. We'll see y'all next week. I will see you guys. I'll see you February 1st.